It's the most powerful conference in college football, the Pac-12. They've played 13 games. That's 13 wins. We're talking the likes of Florida, the likes of, did anybody else have an impressive win? Every other team that we played, Boise State, you know, <laughs> these other teams that are kind of middling mid-conference to low-conference teams also beat them, but also the teams that were supposed to be bad did that. Things are going so good for the Pac-12. Cal, Cal, Cal scored 50-plus points, most points ever under Justin Wilcox. We're going to talk about all that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick this week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. And like I said in the intro, perfecto out of the gate for the Pac-12. Not too bad. Some surprising games. Uh, some expected, you know, expected results. Um, but ultimately, I think the teams that were supposed to look good for the Pac-12 looked good. The teams that we weren't sure about, uh, mostly Colorado, looked good. Uh, and you know, uh, teams that have not looked good for a while, like Cal, also looked pretty good. So everybody was pretty much covering across the board, except for a few, with a few exceptions, but everybody won. You got to take that for a first week. Oh, it's, it was absolutely glorious. And let's start things off as the week started uh, on Thursday, way back in August, the previous month. Uh, Florida traveled to Utah for the return of their home and home. Utah was without Cam Rising, so there were some questions coming into this game. Uh Real dud for Florida. Utah, a very comfy 24-11 to 11 win with a backup quarterback. Yeah, we're talking, uh, what is that, 24-3 going into the fourth quarter, game's over. Utah's, you know, thinking about playing the backup to the backup. Um, yeah, Florida did not acquit itself very well in this game. Pretty ugly. Uh, lots of penalties for them, lots of mistakes. Uh, couldn't get out of their own way. And Utah is the best coach team in the world, and you can't can't do that against them. Their defense is too tough. Even with a backup quarterback, you're going to make mistakes, commit penalties. They're going to beat you every time. Yeah, I mean, and that's like the platonic ideal of a Kyle Whittingham game where, like, well, we're going to have some trouble scoring. He's like, oh, yes, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, chalk, went up, chalk went up for the Pac-12, and there were – all an abundance of hilarious SEC will never travel outside of its footprint again jokes on Twitter, which I enjoyed. Um, so, an all around an enjoyable evening if you're a Pac-12 enjoyer. And we are. Uh, I was. I got so football excited during this game. It's like when we recorded last week. I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I'm probably going to end up going to the Boise Washington game. Yeah, I hadn't even made halftime of this game where I had just the the football mania, and I had acquired four seats to Boise State four, Washington. Four field passes. Yeah, I was like, we're going. Spent twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah, I I emailed uh, both uh, coordinators suggesting plays. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was doing it. Okay, yeah. and then at nighttime, uh, hidden away on uh, Pac twelve network, further obscured by sandstorms, by uh, like a three hour lightning delay. Arizona State played host to Southern Utah. And you go into this game. This game had like a a wild delay. I remember uh, they 
resumed play and it was pretty early in the third quarter at like 11:30 and I was like that you know nighttime my time I was like this is made for me. Yeah, this is that's right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like I am one of 2500 people watching this right now. Yeah. Including the people in the stands, not many left. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. By the time play resumed. But yeah, this thing I think it was 21-7 at the break and then uh, you know, I mean, Southern Utah had the better of it after the break. I mean, this is in front of like an empty Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, but very weird game. Uh, we talked about last week Arizona State, their self imposed bull band kind of stab in Kenny Dillingham in the back right as he gets on board. Uh, I would say Arizona State unfortunately gets the award for the worst looking Pac 12 team this week. Yeah. Fortunately for them, as you mentioned, they were obscured by the, the haboob or whatever that blew through, the dust storm, so not many people saw it. Um, you're going to have a clunker. Uh, at least you win it, and uh, nobody watches because it's in the middle of the night. But, yeah, I think uh, Dillingham's got his work cut out for him. I mean, I think we already knew that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly, like, in situations like this, I just don't as long as you get the win because I mean you know Washington had that game against Cal several years ago where the lightning came in and there was like a five hour delay you left your house at like 11 o'clock at night yeah. you got to Husky Stadium at oh, like yeah. midnight in time to see the like second quarter resume um, and and guess what Washington didn't win that game um, Cal did you know which is just embarrassing oh it was terrible uh, and so it's like if, if, you're, if the circumstances like that are going to happen you got to get the win. They were able to get the win, so let's just chalk it up to that. And it, and Dillingham's got a little work to do, and and we'll move on. Yeah, and I'd say it's you can say freak, uh, you know, environmental occurrences. Also, you know, brand new staff working with these kids. A lot, of, you know, their their better players have kind of been strewn about the country to more uh, solid foundation programs better teams like you, you figure uh, you can expect more growth out of Arizona State this year week one to uh through the rest of the year versus some other teams just because everything's so brand new for them let's hope so they got a big game coming up this week that's my positive spin on Arizona State they're doomed they're doomed folks uh Friday uh but but Southern Utah is FCS though right yeah so we take those three points with a win we take them with a win. No line in that game. <laughs> All right. Stanford and Hawaii on Friday night. How about a pretty competent Stanford outfit? 37 to 24. Uh, and I'm not sure that really fully tells the story. I mean, I felt like it was a bigger win. Stanford was just in control in this game. Yeah, you. I mean, you sort of called it last week on the pod where you were talking about them just being a little bit bigger, better, you know, better players. Um, I wasn't convinced of that just because I felt like the last couple of years of the David Shaw era really, you know, everyone would talk about Stanford like they had talent, but then the on-field um, display was not so evident that that was the case. Yeah. Uh, and so I was curious if maybe they didn't have any talent anymore and it was going to take – Troy Taylor a few years to maybe stock the cupboards, but against a, a rebuilding Hawaii team um, uh, that has its own issues, like mostly how do you recruit to Hawaii? Uh, you know they did look bigger and stronger and faster. Honestly, they looked pretty good. 
um, you know, for, for Taylor's first game and a tough circumstance for your first game, right? You got to fly three time zones to a, you know, to an unfamiliar state. The stadium's pretty small and not, you know, I mean, not that Stanford's not used to playing in front of very few people, but yeah. um, it's just a weird, you know, it just appears like a weird environment. It's on a Friday night. It's a lot of, there's a lot of variables that if you're a coach, you know, coaches don't like variables. Um, and that game had a plethora of variables, but Stanford fought through them all and, and looked pretty good doing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're able to take a, a talent edge of any degree and make a play out on the field, you got to feel great about that. I think a very, very solid work by Stanford. Um, moving to Saturday, let's start off with USC. Uh, maybe like defensively not great the previous week against San Jose State. They get a Nevada team we don't know too much about. This is kind of what we're thinking for USC this year. This is how we expected these teams to go. They roll 66-14, to 14, five touchdowns for Caleb Williams, uh, looking great. Just too much. Gotta love, uh, heading into the fourth quarter, you've got yourself a 42-7 to seven game. USC shithouses Nevada 24-7 to seven in the fourth quarter. An absolute blatant play for the spread by Lincoln Riley, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys, these coaches recognize at this point, not only does the Pac, you know, Pac-12 have to win games, but they have to do it in impressive fashion to, you know, really keep that playoff scenario alive. Um, and uh, what appeared to me to be just a guy being like, you know what, we're going to cover that 38. We're just going to do it. Yeah, I, I, that's a, that's like a little ghastly to me, but uh, uh, whatever, you know, you got to do what you got to do, I suppose, especially how yeah. they were, you know, I mean, how they won. So, I mean, they end up winning like really comfortably against San Jose State, but still there's like whispers coming out of it. It's like, oh, it looks like Grinch. It's going to be a problem. The defense. I mean, you've got, <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess it's possible that they, so one of two things happened in that fourth quarter, going into that fourth quarter up 42 to seven. They either went for two twice and got it both times uh, to get to their 24 and then scored a third touchdown, or they scored three touchdowns. And at some point in the fourth quarter was like, no, nope, we got to kick a field goal too. We're kicking. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so need- really, uh, <laughs> I just kind of love, I just kind of love this, the lack of sportsmanship here. Um, which we will uh, revisit in a minute with a different game, but um, this is yeah the, the twenty-four to seven fourth quarter is really the only thing that stood out to me about this game. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, it's it's terrible, and yet compared with what happened at Oregon, and it was Jesus like Christ. high society as as gentlemanly as you could possibly be at USC because Oregon plays an in-state school, Portland State. You know, who's just there to get money. Uh, 81 to 7. At some point, I'm starting to count those points against Oregon. I'm calling this a, uh, what, uh, 45-43 win for Oregon. They won by too many for my taste. It's a lot. The the Portland State coach is pretty funny. I think uh, Washington uh, played Portland State last year, and he was effusive in his praise of Washington kind of was the early, one of the earliest guys to the, to, to the punchline on Washington, which is like, no, they're really good. Um, and, and it's no different here against Oregon. He was, he was just so impressed with those ducks after, after keeping it close, uh, 22 to seven in the first quarter, the ducks then went 28, zero in the second quarter, 17, zero in the third quarter and 14, zero in the fourth quarter, just for good measure. 
Uh, Bo Nix somehow only had three touchdowns um, in this game, and their leading rusher only had two, Bucky Irving. So somebody on Oregon's team, I mean, who? I mean, I got to look now. I got to click through on the box score. Yeah, like, yeah. There's too many. There's too many touchdowns here. What so I, Jordan, as, I, as I look at that box score, I am actually maybe now I'm going to go back and say maybe USC's worse because at least Oregon's points are descending from the second quarter. And the passing yards aren't gaudy to suggest we went to the run. And uh, of Bucky Irving's uh, two touchdowns, that came on four carries for 119 yards. So maybe That's he wasn't uh, utilized maybe to the maximum extent. Some fella named Jordan James um, took the most carries at 10. Had three touchdowns. It's a nice little day. Seven rushing touchdowns, four passing touchdowns. Ty Thompson the hero of last year's Washington-Oregon game for Washington, um, a 7-for-8, 81-yard performance. Just an incredible 81-7 to beatdown. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just rough, man. <laughs> it's just rough. <laughs> I mean, it's what you got to do, I guess. They, they're they funding their athletic department for the year by playing Oregon and two other FBS opponents. And then after that, they can shake it off, see who's still standing on their team, and uh, and then go play their their little conference schedule. They had a, Portland State had a player who had to have his ear reattached after this. Yeah, it's no good, man. It's yeah. no good. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's tough. And I'm gonna apologize. Why didn't I lead with this? I mean, this is like the real story. I should have put this in the before the open. Uh, Colorado goes to TCU. What is it gonna look like for Coach Prime? Every, you know, I, I mean, I was in the camp. I'll say it straight up. I was like, this is too much too soon for them. They got to kind of figure out who they are and get it under control. No, they just went out there, went toe-to-toe with TCU, who they lost a lot of players, yeah, but they were still in the national title game last year. And Colorado wins 45-42. to Shadur Sanders, in his FBS debut, does nothing less than set the single-game passing yardage mark all-time for Colorado with 510 yards. This Travis Hunter guy just played 120 snaps he's good yeah um i think colorado caught a break here because tcu might be terrible and colorado got absolutely like fox took a took a like a swing at it and put them on their like the prime time game sanders talked all that smack and i'll be damned if it didn't work like it just fucking worked yeah, and and they win the game. I mean, they gave up 42 points. That's something to worry about. They're obviously going to have to outscore opponents. Um, you know, there's there was concerns about their their offensive line going in. I saw some statistic that on like 80 percent of the snaps, TCU brought three and got home never. And then on like the other 20 percent of the snaps, they brought four or five and had like three sacks in those in that 20 percent. So arguably. TCU didn't coach this one up too good, no. um, but it doesn't matter because you got Colorado. They, you know, the, the Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter are now firmly ensconced, you know, on the national, on the map. They, they're, I believe, favored going into Nebraska. Or Nebraska comes into Folsom Field. That's yep. an old timey Big Twelve rivalry. That's oh being, yeah, these that's schools don't played. like each other. Yeah, so that'll be a fun game. Um, you know, Nebraska's not any good. They lost their first their first week. They really um, should have won against Minnesota. That was a real awful game on spectacular Thursday. Spectacular fashion. Um, and now you got, you know, like now Prime's got all the momentum in the world. Um, it, and 
I'll be interested to see what he does with it. What I was most impressed by in this game is I was like, well, how, you know, how's this going to look with Colorado bringing in like virtually an entire new team through the transfer portal, right? And right at the outset of this game, TCU gets the ball and they're running tempo. And I'm like, okay, let's see how they get coached up. Colorado handles it. They get a stop. And then Colorado gets out on the field, their offense, and they're running faster tempo. And TCU are the ones having substitution problems and procedure problems on defense. And I would say I'd tip, tip of the cap to Dion for that one. He had his boys coached up. Good work, man. I love it. So there, yeah, I mean, they are like one of the major. I mean, it's it's crazy that you can come to a 1-11 team in the Pac-12 and be the thing that like like the main thing everybody's talking about after the first week of college football love it remarkable all right uh i'm gonna say no less remarkable california goes on the road to north texas what are we doing uh and they go out here and they score 58 points What, what the book on cal forever has been they cannot score i i'd be willing to bet you could for sure find three games for Cal last year that their aggregate total in those three games is not 58. I'm, oh, I'm not sure. going to look, I'm not going to go look to prove that, but like it's, I would be stunned if there weren't like, you know, they definitely had a couple games where they like scored sub 20. Oh they, yeah. That's awful. like not even a question to me. I think the, the thing I'm questioning is like, can you find like a three game in a row where they didn't score 58? And I think possible. I mean, they were so bad. Um, and now that, like, 58 points is, like, is good. I mean, they're, you know, I mean, I don't know how, I mean, this is, this is a good-ass, this is a good-ass, like, Cal lost to Colorado last year. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. I couldn't help it. They lost to Colorado. They scored 13 points against Colorado last year. They scored 21 points against Washington. They scored nine points against WSU. There you go. Yep. Three games. You might we might be able to get because they scored 14 against UCLA and three against Arizona. I mean, we oh this that's 21. Oh, I went back too far. So yeah, this not it wouldn't be hard. I've got a 17 pointer. I got a 13 pointer. I got a nine pointer. I got a 10 pointer. There's four games that don't equal their 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 single game scoring. Uh, output from last week's game. Incredible. And what's crazy about this is that they they start out this game with this guy Sam Jackson at quarterback, and you know I went back and looked at the highlights of this, and he's like he's he's a run threat. He's passing it around. He got hurt in the first half. They did most of this with a backup QB, this Finley guy who comes in and throws for almost 300 yards. Yep. Uh, but the number one name to know, and I uh, 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 feel. Uh, Regret in not mentioning his name earlier because he was coming on last season. Jaden Ott, the running back. Yep. You know when if you were just looking for anything good out of a Cal box score, you'd be like, well, Jaden Ott had a decent day, and twenty carries, one hundred and seventy-eight yards for him. He is like the real deal. And if they get the Sam Jackson guy out there who was pitching it around pretty good and breaking some plays with his legs, he's questionable for this week against Auburn because. Uh, the non-throwing shoulder took a knock against North Texas. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, I th- this is like you – absolute best-case scenario for Cal in this game. Very, very impressive. Agreed. 
And I, I mean, and it's a week full of impressive performances because we're going to go to another one. Washington State went on the road to Colorado State. Uh, and they were a team that had similar problems to Cal last year in that, like, their defense was surprisingly good, but their offense was dicey. And the Cougs uh, were just solid on offense. I mean, Cam Ward, uh, the transfer quarterback from, like, Incarnate Word or something like that, yep. um, uh, who played for them last year, he throws for 451 yards. Mike Leachian numbers from a Cougar quarterback. Three touchdowns. Uh, unfortunately, also led the team in rushing. But, like, I mean, they scored 50 points. Weird game in that the Cougs were up uh, 29. 29 to 3 after 3. And then the fourth quarter put the defenses away, 21-21, to finish this out. We've got to get to the total. <laughs> yeah, they got there. Um, I wonder what the over-under was on that. <laughs> because you were like, you probably felt decent at 32 points going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. You probably felt like you're okay. We're in good shape here, and then then the forty-two point fourth quarter will <laughs> yeah. get you. The over un unquestionably hit. Yeah, they scored more points in the fourth quarter than they did in the first three quarters combined. Um, yeah, fascinating, fascinating outcome for the Cougs. It'll be good. It'll be good to see if they can continue. They've got the youngest offensive coordinator, youngest uh, coordinator in uh, the Power Five, right? With this uh, Arbuckle character. Um, so, I mean, from Garfield, that's right. Um, so through one game, Arbuckle and company looking good. Yeah. And they, I mean, they're another team like Cal has Auburn this week and Washington state, uh, I think hosts Wisconsin hosts whiskey, 19 rank Wisconsin coming into the Palouse. I mean, those are a couple games where like I, I, two weeks ago we're like, yeah. And now we're like, yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'll get. I'll guarantee you this: when Luke Fickle took the Wisconsin job, I guarantee you he looked at this game and was like, "Wait, we got to do what?" Yeah, my second game as a coach, I gotta go where and play. That was not on his. That was not on his radar going into this. Um, I, I don't think Wisconsin's gonna want to be there, and I mean, I think the Cougs can get him. Is this the work of Barry Alvarez? I think everything Wisconsin is the work of Barry Alvarez. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, like and, and and terrible. Yeah, we have to go to Palouse for one. For two, it's to avenge our loss to them at home last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. So like we we kind of need this, or we look yeah, like real is... chumps for doing a home and home with WSU. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got yeah. <laughs> Good point. Right. Uh, Arizona, Northern Arizona. Uh, I would say kind of like the m minimal positive outcome for Arizona. You look at it and say, okay, good. You know, they win 38-3, to three, uh, win comfortably. Maybe you'd like to see a few more points, but Jaden Delora broke off a big touchdown run. He looked pretty good. Uh, defense did what they have to do against the team of Northern Arizona's caliber, hold them to three points. Uh, good win for the Wildcats. Yeah, I mean, only complaint, maybe they're up 14-3 at halftime. You'd like to see a little bit more space between the teams. At that point, they had to reel some reel some points off in the second half to really put it away. But, yeah, who, ultimately, who cares? They won. Uh, next up, UCLA hosted Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago where they were like, you know, like a, like a, what, you know, like a big six bowl threatening yep. team. Um, 
And they played UCLA pretty tough. What was the number on this game? It's 14 and a half. I had it wrong in our picks. I thought we had all won it with UCLA. We had not. We all lost it because Coastal Carolina covered by a half point. Oh, man. And UCLA was trying to run the cover play in the fourth quarter, too. But yeah, I mean, this was a I mean, this was a one-point game headed into the fourth quarter, and it looked every bit of it. Uh, uh, and what was interesting watching this game was that uh, Ethan Garbers gets the start for UCLA, and pretty not great, right? And then the freshman quarterback who you shouted out on last week's show, Dante Moore, uh, comes in, uh, immediate bomb for a touchdown. And then Chip Kelly is like, Garber me up, run at Garber's back. And he goes in there and they kind of don't do anything for a while. And then they put in Dante Moore again, bomb for a touchdown. And it's just like, <laughs> this. I mean, uh, the guy's just taking his job right in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chip Kelly, man, like I, I can't figure that guy out. I, I, he just always seems to do the toughest possible thing now. I mean, like it's, which is so weird because at Oregon, that was his, like he made, he made his name running that Oregon offense. That was so stupid, simple, but nobody could defend it. The quarterback takes the snap. He holds the ball in front of him, you know, in front of himself and reads the defense. And if the defense does one thing, yeah. he gives the ball to Michael James. If the, and if the defense does another thing, he doesn't. And he then either throws it to one or two people. That's it. He has only got like one or two receivers he can look at, or he runs. It was like their whole offense was one play that kind of split into like four plays, but they just ran that over and over and over and over again, and, and nobody could guard it because of the speed with which they went. And now Chip Kelly, it just seems like everything is so hard for him. You think he's just like uh, trying too hard, or is he like outthinking himself or out trying to outsmart himself? Like what? Why is it so hard for Kelly to be like, oh, Dante's better, I'm going to play him? Where I think he's outsmarted himself is that he, there hasn't been – he enjoyed an institutional commitment to recruiting at Oregon that he has no interest in maintaining, like uh, being like the primary driver of at UCLA. Like there's, there's no reason these UCLA rosters should be less talented than Oregon's rosters were. Uh, yeah, but he just doesn't. He just doesn't care, and there's nobody driving the bus for him like they were at Oregon. Exactly. Yeah, that. I mean, that's what I think is a primary problem. Uh, and yeah, maybe people caught up to some extent to that offense. But if that offense was scoring, uh, you know, sixty-five points, falling out of bed, I better get fifty now. You know, I don't understand what was so bad about it. it seems like you ought to be doing that. Hold on. All right, uh, so that's what I got to say about it. Uh, un- unimpressive, but you know maybe Coastal Carolina is still like a decent outfit, but it seems like UCLA uh, could have and should have won by more. Uh, I would expect to see a lot more Dante Moore for UCLA. He looked to be objectively better than Ethan Garber, who so I feel bad for because he's had to go a bunch of places. But if there are people better than you where you are, you don't play. Don't go somewhere. If you're leaving someplace because you're not good enough to play, make sure you go somewhere else that you're going to be good enough to play. Yeah, just go lower. It's fine. That's what Sam Hewer did, and he threw for 387 yards last week at Cal Poly. Yeah. You know? like He got to, he got to play. And you know what? He threw the ball over the lot. I love it. All right. Uh, then we'll skip to Sunday before we do Washington. Oregon State played San Jose State. Uh, and this was the debut of DJU who like, I was watching that game and I was like, Oh, I'm going to learn how to say his name before the podcast. I did not do that. Uh, 
but he, you know, he looked solid. I mean, it was Oregon State. They were running the ball, uh, and I would say, is is it crazy to say they looked better against San Jose State than USC did? No, they did. They looked they looked better. They are tougher. They looked. I mean, the thing that Oregon State is scary because they like they already had a little bit of Utah in them on the defensive side of the ball. Like mm-hmm. they bring a little bit of that Utah juice, and and then now on offense, their quarterback situation i mean it you really can't overstate how bad their quarterback situation was last year and they still won you know 10 games like it was awful they should have beat washington they should have beat a bunch of teams they ended up beating oregon running the ball 19 consecutive times after they were down by 20 some points in the fourth quarter yeah and they just they just said to hell with it and ran their way to a victory in their you know their rivalry game Magic. Their quarterback scenario was so awful. And now DJU, I he looks great. Um and I mean that's a scary proposition if you're the rest of the conference. You know, I presume I don't know for sure to be honest with you, but I presume that a lot of their future success is going to rely on the health and well-being of their of their, you know, stud players. That you know, like I assume they don't have a ton of depth you know, most college teams don't, and, and a school like Oregon State certainly is not going to have that. But in terms of toughness on defense, and now a pretty competent-looking offensive outfit, I mean, I, you got to put Oregon State way at the top of the list in terms of, like, teams that could just flat-out win the conference. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, So good win for them. And then that leaves us with Washington and Boise State. We were both in attendance for this one. Uh tough first quarter for the dogs but then they get it rolling they realize boise state is not going to cover the long pass and they hit that button over and over and over 56 to 19 uh good win for the dogs over a team that won 10 games last year really interesting strategy if you're boise state to decide you know what i, I mean it, this is where i feel like coaches outsmart themselves right i feel like the coaching staff of boise state thought well washington it's the first game of the year Washington's definitely going to want to establish the run now, especially now that their running back got hurt. Cam Davis got hurt before the game. They're going to want to establish who their who their RB one is, and so we're just going to stack the box and take that away. And Washington's going to get progressively more panicky as they can't figure out how to run, and they're just going to try and run more. You know, there's it's going to be like you know lemmings off a cliff. That's the only thing I can think of because their strategy of leaving their poor secondary in one-on-one situations against what I think arguably could be like Washington has four wide receivers that could be the best wide receiver on a power five team. Yeah. Like there, there are definitely several power five teams out there where Jeremy Bernard, who's Washington's fourth wide receiver would be the best wide receiver. You cannot, you cannot leave them like on an Island and, they just did, and Jalen McMillan, and to a, uh, a lesser extent, Rome Odunze, more yards, less touchdowns, and Jalen Polk. I mean, they just ran r- wild over those guys. It was something to. Be- it was a sight to behold. It was amazing. Uh, it w- it's uh, yeah. I w- I watched uh, like a QB breakdown of like Michael Penix's performance on one of these throws. What's crazy is that there were two to three. Uh, just as wide open 
50 yard or so touchdowns that like you would expect Michael Penix to hit those throws that they just missed. Like we weren't, it wouldn't have been crazy if this ended up being a 600 yard day for Michael Penix, including one of the ones that he missed where he had a guy, a wide receiver running wide open in the end zone. They had Boise's scheme required a player who the number on his Jersey started with a 50, right? With a five started the play at the line of scrimmage at midfield and ended up having to defend a pass one-on-one against Polk in the end zone. It's not going to work. And it was just a missed throw. I mean, he was open by, you know, by three steps. Yeah, as he would be. Yeah. Well, I did notice in the second quarter, and, you know, I've, I've like, over the years, you and I have watched a lot of football, you know. And I like to sit in the a little bit higher up in the stadium to be able to see more of the field. And the seats that I have this year are are kind of are, are relatively. I mean, they're like in the middle deck between the first and the second deck, so you can see a lot of what's going on. In the second quarter, I noticed that they had stopped guarding uh, Jack Westover because, yeah, uh, presumably because they just didn't have another uh, secondary personnel to put on him because the four wide receivers that they were trying to go man up on were were running, and so I was just like. I was like, please throw it to Westover. And the next touchdown pass was, sure enough, a pass to Jack Westover. We caught the ball. There wasn't anybody near him. To an uncovered Jack Westover. He was not guarded. I mean, and that had been the case for like four plays. I mean, like, they were just like, you know what? Let's just hope Penix doesn't see him. Let's just hope that Penix doesn't see, like, that he's not covered. And let's see how that goes. And it took him, you know, four plays. But then he was like, oh, that guy's not guarded. Threw him the pass, scored a touchdown. Like, it was... Man, it was fun to watch if you're UW. The defense, you know, it, it didn't look great at the beginning, but at the end of the game, you can't complain about a 19-point, you know, against a team that put up a lot of points last year um, and, and was projected to do the same this year. Uh, you know, we'll learn a lot more about Boise this week. They've got uh, UCF coming in, I think, to the to Boise. So, you know, if they're able to, to hang and, and beat a good UCF team, then, then that, that win will look even better. But, um yeah, gotta be gotta be pretty stoked if you're a UW fan. Um, the running game is a slight concern, I would say, uh, a trending towards a, a relatively big concern. But it, we'll just say slight concern for now. Um, but other than that, you know, all good. Love it, love it. All right. So how are we doing picks last week? Good and bad. Uh, I went six and six. You went eight and four. Worm went eight and four. Tubby went ten and two. Adam Shocking. went six and six. Kellen went eight and four, and Josh went six and six. So off to the races. We didn't back the pack. It sounds like we did not back the pack, and we paid for it dearly. That's an error. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's start off next week's games. We got a couple of nine a.m. kickoffs. First one: Utah is traveling to Baylor. This is a Baylor team that lost to Texas State last week in a shocker. Yeah, Utah is only a seven and a half point favorite here. Baylor. Yeah, I mean, lost to a, a Texas State team that had as a new coach and has the second most transfers, like roster turnover behind only Colorado. Uh, so that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna back the pack here and take Utah. I'm gonna take Utah too, I, and I don't mind that line being at seven and a half, eight points because, uh, you know, this is like gonna be where Utah's up like seven. But it's like a boa constrictor, like, and you're just watching Baylor, and you're like, "There's no prayer." 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, this could be a twenty to nine game. I could see, you know, yeah. This it doesn't have to be high scoring for Utah to cover the seven and a half. Yep. Uh, next up, we got Nebraska and Colorado. We got a Nebraska team that was unlucky to lose at Minnesota in Week One. They had a little bit more rest than Colorado. Uh, it's Matt Rule. It's Deion Sanders. High profile coaching matchup. Colorado, the bell of the ball. All of a sudden, they are three point favorites at home. Well, three, huh? I had them at three and a half. We'll go with three, though. I like that. Um, you know, I feel like this is a trap game. I feel like Colorado is not truly built to be, like, a great team. I think, you know, even it's a, it's a, it's a common theme because, I mean, even think of how many times I've said it in today is – well, last year, well, last year, well, last year. Well, who gives a shit about what happened last year? It's college football. Like, like Colorado's yeah. an entirely new team. So the fact that TCU went to the national championship last year, like, they looked bad. Um, you know, and Sonny Dykes has not, like, been a great coach. You know, he's been around the game forever. Nobody's ever been like, that's Sonny Dykes. Um, you know, so I just – I wonder – part of me wonders if there's going to be a letdown here um, – you know, I, I guess I'll take Colorado. It's too good not to. They've got Shador Sanders and Hunter and that running back. I mean, that running back that they flipped from Notre Dame that we talked about last week had four touchdowns. Yeah. That's a good sign, right? Like, Dion, Dion's no fool, right? He's like, I'm going to get this guy the ball. He's good. Um, so I'll take Colorado, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a well-coached Nebraska team, if, in fact, they are well-coached, um, you know, could actually do pretty well in this game. Yeah, I mean Colorado looked good enough for me last week that I'm gonna give him give him the pick this week in penance for my pick of TCU last week. I'll tell you what, man. If it was anybody else other than Nebraska, if it was a Nebraska equivalent in another Power Five conference, I would take that school. Nebraska has just been such a hard luck case. I mean, they're just such a sad sack program now for the last decade that you just like I have no like I, those guys are terrible. Yeah. I mean, I know Matt Rule has a good reputation and and did some good things at Baylor, right? Or where was he? Where was he? where did he? Uh, oh, hell if I know. I thought it was, I think he was Baylor before. I think when he left is when they brought in Aranda, but um, or I mean, that was Bryles. No, so Bryles. Where did Rule? Was it in Florida. It, it was in Florida somewhere, probably. Um, he was in the South somewhere, but I mean, I know he's got that. No, you're right. He was a Baylor for three years before he went to Carolina Panthers. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I, if it was anybody else other than Nebraska, but Nebraska is just such a sad sack scenario that I'm going to, I'm going to take prime and all the glitz and glitter. Colorado came out of that game with TCU on unhurt. It seemed like, so they've got their stars still. So I'll ride that as long as they can, as long as they, you know, they can. I'm just waiting for my opportunity to hate on Colorado and I will, but not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. All right, next up. Uh, Oregon traveling to Lubbock, Texas to take on Texas Tech. Tech last week uh, lost in overtime to Wyoming. They went to Laramie. So scheduling mistakes being made all over. Um, But, yeah, Oregon are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. What did we really learn about Oregon last week? That their, I mean, their offense against nothing is very good. They're ruthless. We learned that. Yeah, they're ruthless. Uh, I mean, former former Oregon quarterback Tyler Shuck 
starting quarterback for Texas Tech. I mean, I'm taking Oregon in this. Fun little angle. Oh, you got to. For a touchdown? Six and a half, dude, is not enough. Like, the the talent disparity on these two rosters, I mean, it's got to be insane. I mean, it's got to be a full recruiting star difference, you know, on an average per player. And I I just – Texas Tech on the road last week lost – it's pan, you know, they're going to be in, in a panic scenario. I, this, this is sets up perfectly for Oregon. And Oregon does really well on the road. They went into the horseshoe and won. They went into the big house and won. Um, I mean, you know, they've, they've gone on the road and won a lot bigger games than what this Texas Tech uh, program is going to bring, bring at them. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, got, I, got, I don't have anything else to say about that. Uh, next up, we got Wisconsin traveling to Washington State, where Wisconsin are six-point road favorites against the Cougs, who looked very good last week against Colorado State. Um, home dogs, for me, I'm taking WSU. I think this is part of Jake Dickert's, uh, the second half of his, he's a Wisconsin guy. Yep. He's just laying down that resume. Check on me in five years. When Luke Fickle, yeah. Luke Fickle either gets fired or moves on to greener pastures, remember these yep. two games. Can't argue with that, man. I mean, Washington State went into Wisconsin last year and won. I mean, that was probably one of the things that kicked off the, um, you know, the the momentum to get there. Paul Christ, you know, was well respected there, and then and then that happened, and it, it probably precipitated his downfall. And then so, the, and then the story came out about the recruit who was never contacted during his visit. Yeah. <laughs> One of the great recruiting stories of all time. <laughs> Whoops. Um, whoopsie daisy. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you, man. Home dog. I mean, WSU is going to, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Their fan base is getting on my nerves with this whole victim thing. But they're going to be they're going to be pissed off and trying to show the rest of the world how special Pullman is. Every opportunity they get, this is going to be the best opportunity that they have this year to show the Big Ten that they made a mistake in not, you know, like there's all kinds of, of hatred angles that they're going to be playing to, to play this up. Um, I, you know, I'm going to take the Cougs all day in this. Yeah, and they're, and they're back at school. The weather's still good enough that, like, you can comfortably drive over there from the west side. Uh, I like it. I think we're going to get, a, we're going to get uh, Martin Stadium at its best on Saturday. How about Arizona traveling to Mississippi State where the Bulldogs are nine-point favorites? I had it at ten and a half, man. That is weird. That must have moved a bunch in the last day. Um, yeah, I mean, I do these I do these lines on Tuesday, and I'm on ESPN. I'm, pretty, I'm sure I'm on the same site you're on. So, I mean, that's, that's a point and a half that it's moved towards Arizona in the last day. Um, which I wonder if that tells us something. I, I, you know, I know that Jed Fish is doing good things at Arizona. Um, I do you know that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know that everybody who covers the, that program says that. Um, I personally have not talked to Jed to form an opinion about that. Yeah, I'd I, say Drew's out. I, I'd stand corrected there. Uh, this seems like I don't know. I I I don't feel great about Arizona going into the SEC. I don't either. Out, but I don't either. 
I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Mississippi here. I'm right there with you. It'd be very funny if Arizona won. I support it. I'd be I mean I could see them losing by a touchdown and covering. I could see that. Um, that doesn't sound crazy to me. I could yeah. see it being like a like a, a twenty to twenty seven game. I mean, who who um, knows anything at this stage of the season? I mean, Mississippi State played like Southeast Louisiana or something last week, and Arizona played Northern Arizona. It's uh, nobody yeah. knows. I'm I'm going to take Mississippi State. I'm I'm choosing to not believe in Arizona right now. But I, like I'm I'm not going to be shocked at all if Arizona wins this game outright. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right, uh, CBS UCLA is on the road playing San Diego State. I guess you just got like, people are like we're done we're not, we're done writing these checks. We're just doing home and homes with these teams. It's bizarre. Well, it's easy home and home for UCLA though. Yeah. 13 and a half points is what I got for UCLA. Um I got 14 got a- and a half. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. That seems you know, you know, Worm put his picks in before I changed all these lines. He's probably going to want to look at this again. Um, oh, I can pick it on 13 and a half, whatever. I'm, um, just lo- I'm just looking at it as I see him right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, let's go with the, let's go with real time. I'll have to wait longer before I enter these into the spreadsheet. But, um, yeah, UCLA, you got to assume, is going to bring Dante Moore along and have him play more, play more plays than he did last week, uh, which suggests that they should score more points. I don't know though, man. I just something about Chip Kelly rubs me the wrong way right now. I just don't. I don't love. I don't love it. I know San Diego State doesn't look great though. Yeah, this is tough. Fourteen and a half. I'm. I'm gonna go with the larger line because it's real time. Um, <sighs> yeah, give it. Give me UCLA. Yeah, for me, it's just like, did we learn our lesson? If 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 we're smart enough to just play Dante Moore. Uh, I mean, there was like a, a noticeable energy difference, both from fans and teammates when he was in the game. I feel like that should be fine. And that ought to be what UCLA should be trying to do. Is Chip Kelly going to feel some loyalty to Ethan Garbers, uh, who, you know, transferred down there and, you know, waited his turn behind DTR? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets like a series each half or something like that. But I would expect Dante Moore to, well, let's see. I'll make my decision based on this. Sports Illustrated article. When will Chip Kelly name Dante Moore the starter? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's that. Oh, my God. So I guess we don't know who's going to start. UCLA depth chart. Chip Kelly isn't going to tell anybody. Come on, it's Chip Kelly. Yeah, I'm Dante Moore. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say UCLA. I'm going to say Dante. We we're we're not dumb enough to look reality in the eye and defy it. Love it. All right. Both got uh, UCLA. That leaves us Oregon State versus UC Davis, a no line game, so we can skip that one. Both take Oregon State, I presume. A freebie. Free game uh, puts us at uh, USC. Little in conference game. These both these teams play Notre Dame later in the year, so they got to play each other early. USC hosting Stanford for the final time in conference. USC minus twenty eight point five 
against your relatively competent looking Stanford Cardinal. Make it 29. And the number is too high. Stanford had a tight end go for 140 yards and like a couple touchdowns last week. I agree. That's Stanford football. Stanford's going to score some points. I think they can keep it within, you know, 25. Yeah. (laughs) USC is going to score, you know, high 40s, low 50s in this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Stanford's going to score in the 20s. Um, Let's see. It'll be be a fun – should be a fun atmosphere in the Coliseum. Uh, We've got – uh, two good games to finish out before we get to the Washington game. California Golden Bears are hosting Auburn. For some reason, Auburn is going to California. Don't understand that. Auburn is still six and a half point favorites. And I am going to tell you right now, war damn bears. Yeah. Now we still have... Uh... Potential starting quarterback questionable for Cal against Auburn, but the backups seemed fine last week against North Texas. Obviously, different kettle of fish here. But and also reports are that uh, the guy who got knocked out of the game against North Texas did practice already this week. So I, to me, that means he's playing. And if Cal's going to score fifty-eight points against anybody, then we've got a different Cal going on. <laughs> Auburn's this type of team that like either they are national championship caliber or they can lose to anybody. And I haven't, I don't know. I don't believe they're ranked. I don't believe they're thought of as a national championship contender this year. Uh, and so I, Cal, get home dog. War damn bears. I love it. They've got a gold out going. I saw on Twitter, some Cal fan trying to talk smack saying Auburn doesn't know what's coming. This fan base is fired up. We're going to paint the stadium gold which I thought was funny because I was like, yeah, that you might actually, I mean, there's going to be a lot of empty seats, you know, per cow. They might just want to paint it gold to yeah. make it appear yeah. like there's more yeah. people. So, yeah. Their uh, uh, athletic department's been rolling it, running a gold out for years. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was told. Um, and uh, so now they're going to do the, the gold out thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that should be fun, but I'm, I'm taking the bears. I'm taking the bears too. I tell the whole damn world this is bear territory. Uh, whole world. I love it. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. That'll be that'll be a fun one to keep an eye on. Uh, then another good one. Both these 7:30 kicks. Uh, this must be like a Pac-12 network game, or is this game just flat? Not a, is this like streaming? I'm not even seeing a channel for Oklahoma State Arizona State. <laughs> wow, the good old. I mean, you remember there used to be occasionally a game that just wasn't on television. Like this must like be. That. No, I mean, because they put the Fox games on. Maybe they don't put Fox Sports on these. Every other a, game has a channel that you can watch this at. But ESPN's just too petty to acknowledge but they say, Fox. But they, the national Fox games, that's included. That's what gives me pause here. Potentially not on TV, Oklahoma State, Arizona State. Oklahoma State, I have them as three-point favorites uh, going on the road. Uh, Oklahoma State all day. I didn't like what I saw last week. Yeah, I have it at three and a half, which means it's moved back towards ASU half a point. Uh, interestingly, but I'll take I'll take ASU. I do hate Mike State. Gundy. He's he's kind of a jerk. Um, I appreciate some things about Mike Gundy. I mean, I don't think politically we probably see very eye to eye, but um, he has been there forever. Like he has just like stuck. He could have left. He yeah. just stayed. He's like, I'm just going to live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. 
and, and like, be, that's the, just be what the goddamn is. king of this place. Yeah, I respect that. Not, I think like that's honestly in terms of like quality of life is probably a better way to go. If you're just like, I'm just going to be here for 20 years. Like it's like a regular I mean, job, except I'll get paid extravagant amounts of money. He's he's one of the most famous citizens in town, right? Like he's got to be like, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I learned uh, during the golf playoffs that Victor Hovland still lives there. And he's a he's a OSU guy. And he's just like, fuck it, I'm staying. And, you know. And and acknowledged at one point that the money for winning the playoffs didn't mean that much to him because he's like, I live in Stillwater and money goes a long ways. And I bet that's true. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, it's uh, I, I don't love Gundy. Uh, he seems like kind of a jerk, um, but I think they're going to rough ASU up in this game. Yep, I agree with that. All right. And then lastly, we've got Washington at home to Tulsa, where the Washington Huskies are 34 point favorites. I don't know much about Tulsa, but the line suggests that uh, the odds makers don't think too much of them. That is your biggest spread of the week in the conference. Thirty. That's. I mean, that's too many points. We're obviously taking Washington. That's like a lot of points. Thirty-four points. I mean, this is. We're gonna have to see it. I mean, the good news, I think, if you're if for Washington, is you're already seeing the hype for Penix and the Heisman. Yeah. And and he's got a lot of mouths to feed because again, I mean. Jalen Polk and Jeremy Bernard, if they were number one and two on the wide receiver depth chart, UW would have a kick-ass wide receiving core this year. Yeah. And they're number three and four. Like, those guys, like, Romo Dunze only, only had one touchdown last week. Jalen McMillan had three. You know, like, yeah. Penix, has, Penix has got some politics to, to deal with here. You know, like, Jeremy Bernard needs the ball. Uh, Romo Dunze needs a couple touchdowns. You know, it's and, and so... And, and I think um, Kalen DeBoer is, and, and you know Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator, are smart enough to, to recognize you've got this Heisman hype. Like you're going to have to live up to that this week, which means nothing less than you know four or five hundred yards and five touchdowns for Penix is going to be viewed as a Heisman like. You know he could have three eighty and three, and people are going to be like, eh, against yeah, what's Tulsa? wrong with this? Yeah, yeah, it's not great. So. I guess if you're UW and you want to cover 34, you can say, well, they're just going to come out and just throw all over these guys because they want to impress, you know, the national pundits and, and keep, you know, pad the stats for their superstars. Yep. I mean, I agree with that. I, what I'm looking forward to watching in this game is whether or not Washington can nail down, you know, like maybe, maybe get a little more run going. Um, just because you would think we're going to need it at some point this season, but yeah, I mean, it should. There should be a lot of bombs away. It should be fun to watch. I'm gonna go watch it. I love it. I'm. I think I have a first soccer game. I got to coach at like four. So wrap it up early, dogs. They should. Yep. All right. Uh, that does it for this week's eligible receivers for Eric. I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week.